Welcome to Between the Stitches, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Two former college teammates talking about what they know best, baseball. Let's go! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Between the Stitches podcast, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. My name is Ryan. We got a great, beautiful, amazing, inspiring, sensational episode 32 of Between the Stitches, baseball-only today on the show, as is usually the case, and we got a great, 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 great episode for you guys. Why? I'll tell you exactly why, because we are predicting and giving our best educated guesses on the entire 2023 MLB season. That means division standings. That means MVP. That means Cy Young. That means Rookie of the Year. Now, we're not going to get into postseason predictions because we're not going to jinx the potential for the things that I would like to have happen, right? I have a rooting interest. I have a team that I care about. I have a team that I want and love and desperately desire to win the World Series. And for those of you who don't know that, that is the San Diego Padres. So I'm not going to make any postseason predictions for the main reason of I don't want to, you know, if I pick the Dodgers to face the Padres in the National League Championship Series. Like, I don't want to be rooting for the Dodgers to do well so that my predictions can come through. Or I don't want the Padres to not win the division because that'll help my prediction come through. I guess that that's not necessarily a play. I don't want the Padres... I just don't want to predict the postseason. I don't want to do it. I don't want to jinx anybody. I don't want to... I, I'll predict the standings and I'll predict the individual awards because I do think those honestly are the most... Uh, the most educated predictions you can make before the season starts. If you try to do the postseason stuff, it's like, you know, you may be right on the types of teams and which teams get into the postseason, but, you know, National League East, you might pick the Mets to win and the Braves to be a wild card team. And it may be the Braves win the East and the Mets are a wild card team. And then you your postseason predictions are all already wrong because the matchups are off. So we're not going to get into it. We're just going to do predictions today. We're going to be doing... uh division standings predictions and and we're going to be doing MVP awards we're going to be doing Cy Young awards we're going to be doing rookie of the years and we're going to be doing uh manager of the year cuz I like that award I think that award's interesting and typically speaking the guys that come out on top for manager of the year are guys that are part of a team uh that you know overachieved at least a little bit based on their expectations or are the manager of a young team that's looking to make a big splash. And in the case of some of my predictions, that may or may not be applicable. So we'll see what happens. But as we like to do in our predictions, we have a method to the madness. We have a direction that we go. 
We have a a direction that we follow. And in this case today, we're going to be starting with the division predictions, and we're going to be going from the east to west in the American League. And then we're going to go to the National League. We're going to go all the way through all six divisions in professional, well, I should say in Major League Baseball because professional baseball is quite extensive. But we're going to be doing all six divisions in Major League Baseball and predicting how they will come out. And we'll be giving you what I think their record is going to be, or at least closest to the records of these teams in each division. So predicting the divisions in all six divisions of Major League Baseball, starting with my predictions for the American League East and how the top five, or I should say this, uh, my predictions for the American League East and how it will finish in 2023. So five teams in the division. My pick for fifth place in the American League East to start off all this stuff. And by the way, we're going to be going from fifth, fourth, third, second, first. That's how we're going to, uh, that's how we're going to reveal these teams because ultimately, well, I guess once you reveal second, then you know that there's only one team left to be in that first place slot, but we're still going to go five to one. So American League East, five to one, starting at number five in last place in the American League East. I have the Boston Red Sox. I know, I know, I know, I understand, I get it, okay? I understand it's a bit of a uh, bold prediction there because it is the Red Sox, because it's the the historic Red Sox, it's the Red Sox of, of the 20s, it's the Red Sox of the early 2000s, and even the late 2000s, right? Four, three or four World Series since 2000? Four World Series, I believe? Yeah, it's just uh, three World Series, 07, 13, and 18. Yes, they're a storied franchise. They also lost Xander Bogarts. They also lost. Um, they have. They're counting on a guy like Chris Sale to lead that rotation. They lose Nathan Ovaldi. Um, you know, they don't have the production. They don't quite have the production um, that they should. They're not going to be the Red Sox of old. They're not going to be the Red Sox uh, that show up every single year and dominate. Okay, they did pick up a couple decent names, right? You got Justin Turner, you got uh, Masataka Yoshida from Japan, uh, Adam Duvall. These are guys that, yeah, they're names, yeah, they're big leaguers, but they're not going to be making this gigantic swing or impact on uh, the Red Sox as an entire team, right? These are guys that are contributing pieces. Uh, in the middle parts of their career, I know Yoshida is a little bit younger, but you don't know what you're going to get out of him, right? Justin Turner, back end of his career. Adam Duvall, back end of his career. Uh, Corey Kluber, a pitcher they pick up, back end of his career. These are guys that are just not really who they used to be. Kenley Jansen in the bullpen, back end of his career. So I got the Red Sox finishing fifth in this division, and, uh, you know, ultimately... It sucks to hear if you're a Red Sox fan, but at the end of the day, we can't really do much about it, guys, because there's four teams in that division that are better than you. In fourth place, in the American League East, I've got the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or the Rays, whatever you want to call them. I still call them the Devil Rays because I think it's way cooler uh, than the Devil. Than, I still call them the Devil Rays because the Devil Rays is cooler than just the Rays, okay? This is a roster that's a little bit more... Interesting, has a little bit more 
potential, at least in my opinion, if everybody just stays on the dang field for these guys, okay? Tyler Glass now, need you to pitch for him this year, brother. Shane Baz, need you to pitch this year for him, brother. Uh, Wander Franco, need you to stay on the field this year, brother. Um, second baseman, uh, Brandon Lau, need you to stay on the field for these guys this year, man. If all those guys can stay on the field, the Rays will pre be productive. And I should say it like this, okay? Uh, as you guys can probably see if you're watching on YouTube or anywhere else, and if you're listening on the podcast, the record I have for the Red Sox is 74 and 88. The record I have for the Rays, who I have finishing fourth, is 82 and 80. So they're an above 500 team, but that doesn't, that doesn't translate uh, to a postseason appearance. I don't think the Rays are going to be horrendously bad. I don't think they're going to be the pitfall of the American League East. And I don't think they're going to be rolling over every time they play some of the tougher opponents in baseball, let alone in the American League East. That being said, I have them at 82 and 80. I have them finishing fourth. And I don't think this team's going to get into the postseason. But you know, there's some young talent on here, some young prospects. I just don't understand or just – I don't think this season in 2023 and especially the way that baseball is trending, there's no way the Rays can continue to maintain uh, the pace or at least the strategy of not paying anybody anything and still winning games. It's just not realistic. It's not possible, especially with how much money is being tossed around in the game today. Uh, so I have the race finishing fourth at 82 and 80 in third place in the American league East. I've got the Baltimore Orioles. That's right. The Baltimore Orioles. I've got them an 88 and 74 for the 2023 MLB season. How, how could you have the Baltimore Orioles in third place in the American league East, the Baltimore Orioles, those guys stink. They've always stunk. Actually, let me fill you in on something a little bit here. Okay, let me give you a little bit of knowledge on the Baltimore Orioles. John Means, potential Cy Young candidate at the top of the uh, rotation. He's back. They got guys in the bullpen. Uh, one guy in particular by the name of Felix Bautista. That guy has the potential at six foot eight, 285 pounds, throws bowling balls. I had the potential for Felix Bautista to win reliever of the year in the American League. Adley Rutchen's going to be catching for those guys. Ever heard of him? Top prospect, just was the number one guy in baseball. Anthony Santander. Okay, this guy, if you didn't watch the World Baseball Classic, uh, first of all, I feel bad for you. Second of all, Anthony Santander is due for a monster, monster season. That guy popped 33 homers last night or last year for the Orioles in 2022, and just nobody's talking about it. It's talking about Anthony Santander. Uh, Ramon Arias for those guys was incredibly talented for them last year. Gunnar Henderson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Also the number one prospect. He's going to be in the infield for the Orioles this year. That's two number one prospects in the in the infield for the Orioles this year. 
I mentioned Santander in the outfield. Cedric Mullins. Oh, that's right. He's been an all-star in the last three years. Uh, another multitude. They got uh, Austin Hayes, extremely productive outfielder for them. Um, Jorge Mateo, shortstop prospect. He's not really a prospect. He's a younger guy. He's not really going to have anyone to play. I think he gets traded, and I think the Orioles pick up a big-time arm because they're going to be competitive this year. Orioles are going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with in the coming years, and this year is the start of that. Now, having them at 88 and 74, that that doesn't put them in the playoffs, but what it does do is it propels them into the winning window that they're hoping to get into here in the years to come. So I have the Orioles in third place in the American League East at 88 and 74, okay? In second place in the American League East, I've got the Toronto Blue Jays, okay? This team's stacked. I'll be honest with you. Um, This team in Toronto has the lineup to contend and compete with anybody. Uh, This team on the mound in the rotation has five or six dudes that could compete with anybody. Manoa, all-star. Gosman, all-star. Chris Bassett, all-star. These are When I say all-star, by the way, this is in the last two years, 2022 and 2021, which I think is relevant because it shows uh, that at least in the last couple of years, these guys were contributing and competitive at a super high level. Manoa, all-star. Gosman, all-star. Bassett, all-star. Uh, Jose Barrios is in their rotation, I think, as of now, but he might be, I think, probably their sixth choice uh, when they have a guy like uh, Hyungjin Ryu, Yusei Kikuchi, a ton of arms that they can use uh, in the rotation in Toronto. Their bullpen has a bunch of really good guys. Zach Pop, Adam Simber. They just signed Chad Green from the Yankees. Uh, and Jordan Romano's an all-star. Guy throws 150 miles an hour. Alejandro Kirk, all-star catcher. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., MVP, all-star first baseman. They have Whit Merrifield or... Santiago Espinal, both guys, all-stars. Third base, Matt Chapman, all-star, platinum glove, platinum glove caliber third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, and by the way, the guy hits 30 pumps a year and nobody talks about it. Shortstop options, Bo Bichette or Santiago Espinal. They make a trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks in the offseason. They send out Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who they just simply did not need. And they got Dalton Varsho, the Swiss Army Knife. That guy can play any position in the outfield and catcher. Kevin Kiermaier is going to play center field most likely. George Springer is probably going to play a corner outfield position. And then, just the icing on the cake, they pick up Brandon Belt as a potential DH option. And I think this team is just super, super, super deep. I didn't even mention guys like Kevin Biggio. I didn't even mention guys like um, Danny Jansen at catcher. They just have a lot of options. A lot of guys where if it's bases loaded, tie game, bottom of the ninth, and they pinch hit this guy, that guy, one of those options that I read off, at no point in any of those names that I read off was I like, oh, yeah, we're we're screwed. Like, yeah, that, that guy's not going to get a hit. Like, all the guys I listed off as offensive possibilities for them at the various positions – all of them can can smack the ball around the yard. And then at the top of the lineup for those guys are all-star MVP caliber hitters. So I like the Blue Jays a lot. I think they're going to be a really competitive team. 
And just like last year, I think they get into the wild card round. And I think they should comfortably at a 91 and 71 clip. I think that little matchup or that little battle between Baltimore and Toronto is going to be nice and fun to watch towards the end of the year. But I think ultimately Toronto just has a little bit more talent and experience at the end of the year. And they take uh, the, the second position in the American League East. And last but not least in the American League East, the first place is the New York Yankees. I got the Yankees coming in at 96 and 66. Uh, the Yankees are loaded. Right. Uh, they do have some injuries, but I think once everybody gets healthy, I think once the Yankees get all those rotation pieces figured out, Frankie Montas figures out what the hell's going on with him. Um, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, you just got to get your guys healthy uh, because then after that, I mean, LeMahieu, Stanton, Judge, Glaber, uh, love me some Anthony Volpe, shortstop option for them who is the top prospect and he's going to be hitting eight, eight or nine in that lineup. So, the Yanks are going to come in uh, first place, I think, in that division, and I think it's going to be pretty comfortable for them. So to recap the American League East, we've got Red Sox in fifth, Rays in fourth, Orioles in third, Blue Jays in second, and the Yankees in first place. Moving on. Moving on here as we cover these back up. Done with the American League East. Okay. We are now moving on to the American League Central. Here's my predi uh, my predictions, my comprehensive list, full predictions for the standings in the American League East. Nope, not the American League East. Full predictions for the standings in the American League Central Division in 2023. Okay? Coming in at number five. This really shouldn't surprise anybody. We're not going to spend too much time talking about it. but. The Detroit Tigers come in at number five. I have them at 65 and 97. I don't think the Tigers are going to be very competitive this year. That being said, man, that doesn't mean they're going to be historically bad and have no future, right? I mean, they have a ton of prospects. They got a lot of bright spots to look forward to. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Casey Mize. There's guys around that franchise and in that organization that are going to be big league contributors at one point or another. But ultimately, they're just they're still at the bottom end of that that uh arc of rebuild right they're on their way back up i think but ultimately they're not going to be that competitive uh and 65 and 97 is is i think right where they're going to end up finishing so i got the tigers in fifth at 65 and 97 in fourth place in the american league central kansas city royals okay i have them jumping at a pretty high clip as far as the record goes coming in at 78 and 84 78 and 84 for them is still a few games under 500 okay when you look at the roster for the Royals, first of all, they can throw it a little bit. Rotation options like Brady Singer, potential big league all-star caliber arm. Zach Grinke, obviously we know what he can do on the mound. Scott Barlow last year, that guy just messed around and had like a sub-2 ERA, okay? You go through the offensive options, for the Kansas City Royals, Sal Perez, top three hitting catcher in all of baseball. MJ Melendez can back up and just catch whenever Sal needs a day off. And in the meantime, MJ Melendez is going to play the outfield. The guy smacks the ball around the yard like it's easy. Vinny Pascantino, I love this prospect guy uh, that they have as an option at first base. Left-handed, big boy, power hitter, knows how to hit a ball really, really hard. Bobby Witt. 
Going to be playing middle infield for these guys at one point or another. Guess what? Second fastest sprint time in all of Major League Baseball. Huge contact guy. Also has a ton of pop that nobody really talks about. And he's he's going to end up being, I think, one of those guys that just, in a couple of years from now, it's like, oh, every year, guess who's starting at shortstop in the All-Star game in the American League? Bobby Wood Jr. Shocker. Nicky Lopez, also another infield option for these guys. Left-handed scrappy contact low strikeout guy really valuable for them and also going to find himself at the top of the order okay prospect center fielder drew waters they got him from uh atlanta when they made that trade for Jorge Soler. drew waters has been nothing but a highly touted prospect his entire career and now he's going to be manning the outfield for those guys uh, at one point or another hunter dozier power bat matt Beatty, bench option Kyle Isabel, he'll he'll mess around and play a little bit outfield for these guys. I think the Royals, with that young core, led by a, a more of a veteran presence than a guy like Salvador Perez, I don't see any reason why these guys shouldn't make a pretty big jump. Does that mean they're going to get above 500? No. Does that mean they're going to make the playoffs? No. But that means the Kansas City Royals are going to be in fourth place. They're going to win 78 games. And you're going to see a lot of bright stars shining Throughout Kansas City, you're going to see um, Brady Singer. You're going to see Hunter. I mean uh, Bobby Wood Jr. You're going to see Pasquantino, MJ Melendez. All these guys are are at their ceilings, all star caliber players, and I think they're going to get flashes of that this year, and see exactly what the Kansas City Royals are all about. In third place in the American League Central, I got the Chicago White Sox. One game better. One game better than the Kansas City Royals. Okay? The White Sox are that team every, I think every year. Uh, they seem to assemble what looks to like to be on paper a really competitive roster. Tons of talent. Up and down, throughout the rotation, throughout the bullpen, up and down the lineup. And then the season starts, and they stink. And I don't think much of that's going to change this year. I think one of the bigger losses that they lost um, this year are not going to have, at least for an extended amount of time, is Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks, um, losing him is going to be tough. They have a couple of other decent bullpen arms. they got some guys in the lineup, obviously, Moncada, Tim Anderson, but they lose Jose Abreu, who was probably their leader, and um, offensively, the guy that drove in the most runs for them. I like Dylan Cease. I like Kopech, uh, but Clevenger stinks. Um, Lance Lynn is iffy. Giolito's trying to come back off a bad year. And, um, yeah, I just I don't like the Sox very much this year, and I got them under 500 at 79 and 80. In second place in the American League Central, got the Cleveland Guardians, Okay. 87 and 75. I don't know for sure if 87 wins is going to get a team into the postseason this year, but it's very likely that it'll at least be within two or three uh, games. Okay. The Guardians are going to be above 500. The Guardians are going to be competitive. Uh, and the Guardians are going to win games. Does 87 get you into the postseason? Maybe. And I wouldn't count that out. 
Okay? I wouldn't count that out. But ultimately, I think the Twins this year are just a little bit better uh, than the Guardians, obviously. So I have the Guardians coming in at second place at 87-75. And of course, like I just said, rounding out the American League Central is the Minnesota Twins one game better than the Cleveland Guardians at 88-74. and I think it's going to be a tight division. I think it's going to be a close division. I think it's going to be a battle up until the end. And I think there's going to be some teams around here that are going to be decent. But none of them, I don't think, in the American League Central are going to compete for a World Series. I think whoever gets into the World, uh, it, whoever wins this division and gets into the postseason, ultimately probably gets bounced in the first round, especially if they got to come across a team like the Astros or a team like the Yankees or honestly the Blue Jays in some cases. So. That's my final standings for the American League Central. To recap, Tigers in fifth, Royals in fourth, White Sox in third, Guardians in second, and the Twins in first. Guardians and Twins separated by one game. One game. Okay? That's going to recap the American League Central. Now we're moving on to the American League West. One of my favorite divisions to talk about, okay? Love the American League West. Love everything it stands for. Love the talent. Love the fact that there are going to be, at least in my opinion, some relatively competitive opportunities this year in the American League West. Okay? Because the Astros are still going to be a good team, but I think a lot of these teams around the division had pretty significant improvements this offseason. Going to make things a lot more Interesting. So, American League West, full predictions for 2023. Okay? Coming in in fifth place, not going to shock anybody. Oakland A's, we're not going to spend too much time talking about it. 59 and 103 is the record that I have uh, because ultimately the the Oakland A's are going to be the toilet paper of the league, I think is the best way to describe them. Um, I think... The Oakland A's are going to be an embarrassment to baseball based on a number of different reasons. Not to mention, of course, they're not paying their team anything. Their stadium's terrible. And uh, they don't care. They don't. Their owner of the Oakland A's doesn't care about winning. He just wants to make money. So that's why the Oakland A's are going to be horrible. 59-103. Wouldn't be surprised if this is one of their final years in Oakland, if I'm being honest with you. Fourth place in the American League East. I'm sorry, the American League West. Fourth place in the AL West. The Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. 78 and 84 is the record I have for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Okay. The Angels in the West are what the White Sox are in the Central. Every year, the roster construction for the LA Angels is. Incredible. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't say incredible every single year Mike Trout's been there. But at any point, when you have two of the top three players in the entire sport on the same team, that team finds itself in the postseason on a regular basis. I think they pick up Tyler Anderson. It's a decent uh it's a decent acquisition. They pick up Brandon Drury, it's a decent acquisition. Yeah, you know, they have Anthony Rendome. I think that guy hasn't done anything for them 
since he's gotten there. And I don't think Rendon's a bad player. I just think he's really injury prone. I think he's kind of getting a little bit older. He also just doesn't really have any incentive to stick around or come back from the injury list or play through injuries. Um, but ultimately, Trout and Otani are amazing. I think this year for the Angels, you're going to see those guys continue to put up crazy numbers. But this is going to be Otani's last year on the Angels. And depending on how bad the Angels do, Mike Trout may try to squeeze his way out of there as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Okay? Third place in the American League West, the Texas Rangers. The Rangers. Now, how could that be? How could the Rangers be the third place team? Well, I don't know. Why don't we take a look at their rotation? Uh, the Rangers rotation is disgusting. And they have a ton of different options to fill up five rotation spots. Not to mention they signed Jacob DeGrom. Oh, wait, what is he? Oh, that's right. The best pitcher in the sport. Andrew Heaney coming off a great little stint with the Dodgers in his career. Martin Perez, all-star. Nathan Avaldi, all-star. Jake Odorizzi, all-star caliber. They have a lot of different options in their rotation. Jose LeClaire in their bullpen, really good. They pick up Will Smith, love that acquisition for them. Two different options at catcher with Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim. Both are offensive catchers, which is rare to find. Nathaniel Lowe had a great season at first base for the Texas Rangers last year. Up the middle, oh, that's right, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Two star hitters. Yeah, you know what? Simeon struggled last year. Early on uh, for the Texas Rangers, but guess what? Simeon's going to go off this year. Seager's going to continue to stay hot. Uh, you mix in any combination in the outfield of Adolis Garcia, Jankowski, Robbie Grossman's a really productive hitter for, has been for the majority of his career. Brad Miller's going to uh, fill in for them. I really like this Rangers team, and I think the pickup to Jake, that, that addition of Jacob DeGrom and a little bit more starting pitching depth goes a long way in Major League Baseball. So I got the Rangers in third place in the American League West. In second place, Seattle Mariners, okay? 90 and 72 for the Seattle Mariners. That's a postseason berth for the Seattle Mariners yet again. And I love the Mariners. I love the M's. I love these guys. I love what they do. I love how they, they go about their business. I love J-Rod. I love Cal Raleigh. Uh, love the announcers. Love their starting pitching depth. Love how their GM goes about approaching the game, and I like them in second place. Go M's, go back into the postseason at 90 and 72. And finally, not going to surprise anybody, but in first place in the American League West, I got the Houston Astros at 101 and 60. Bit of a downgrade, <laughs> uh, even though they're still winning 100 games this year. And, uh, you know, they lose Verlander, but I think guys like Christian Javier step up. I think Framber Valdez steps up. I think Lance McCullers steps up. And uh, offensively, you know, they didn't really lose anything. Uh, in fact, they gained a guy like Jose Abreu, which is just crazy. So uh, that's my official standings for the American League West. A's in fifth, Angels in fourth, Rangers in second. Sorry, Rangers in third, Mariners in second, Houston Astros in first. Okay, so that will recap the American League. Moving on to the National League. We're going to the NL East. Okay. And we're going to be talking about exactly how the National League East is going to finish. All right. Full National League East division prediction standings for 2023. Fifth place, 
Not going to surprise anybody. The Washington Nationals. Not going to spend too much time on them this year. 55-107, and that might be generous. In fourth place, the Miami Marlins. And that's a pretty big record jump for those of you watching online, listening in the podcast. 78-84. and The Marlins can pitch the rock. My goodness, can the Marlins pitch the rock. Sandy Alcantara coming off an MVP caliber season. They trade Pablo Lopez in return, receive a guy like Luis Arise, who is a hit, hit, hitter. Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers love that starting rotation, especially a young guy like uh, Sandy Alcantara leading the charge and coming off of a Cy Young caliber season. Garrett Cooper, that guy can hit. They pick up Yuli Gurriel, hitter. Luis Arise, hitter. They pick up Gene Segura, hitter. Joey Wendell, hitter. Jose Iglesias, contact hitter. Outfield options, Abisail Garcia, Soler. Jazz Chisholm's going to play center field for these guys. I really like this team. They're not going to make the postseason. They're not going to go above 500, but the Marlins are on their way up, and I think that's going to be good for the game of baseball. In third place in the NL East, the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to be without Bryce Harper for a lot of the season. Okay? Oh, but they got Trey Turner. Yes, I understand that. Yes, Trey Turner is an incredible baseball player. Trey Turner has MVP caliber uh, next to his name when people talk about him. And I wouldn't disagree with that. Where I do disagree is that the Phillies lack that dude in their lineup when push comes to shove. Last year, Bryce Harper was that dude. He's battling through injuries, consistently putting up numbers, and uh, at the end of the day, a guy like Trey Turner isn't going to be a guy that steps up and leads that team. Okay? When you look at the Phillies and their rotation options, it's a little bit concerning, and it's it's not the worst I've ever seen. Aaron Nola's a really, really solid pitcher. Zach Wheeler's a guy who's had some health issues, but he'll probably be fine. Then after that, man, Taiwan Walker, okay. Bailey Falter, okay. Ranger Suarez, I don't know. It's a lot of uh, guys that you hope to get a lot of production out of that haven't been incredibly consistent over their career besides maybe Nola and, and some, some flashes with Zach Wheeler. They also just lost Reese Hoskins. Okay. Reese Hoskins is out for the year. He's the type of guy that brings that swagger, that energy that, that you want and you need. And uh, he's gone. So I got the Phillies in third place in the American league East in second place in the AL East. I got the New York Mets. Mets are going to go 99 and 63, and this is a great record. I like the Mets. The Mets are going to be really good. Nobody's doubting that. This 99 wins could very easily eclipse 100 at one point or another in the regular season, but the Mets are going to make the postseason. Uh, the National League East is going to feature two teams that are going to be around 100 wins with the Braves and the Mets. I have the Mets in second in the NL East at 99 and 63, uh, and I think that's. Pretty fair. It's exactly what ended up happening last year is they got right around the 100 wins mark, 
And I think they're going to be really good. They're going to be really competitive. They're going to be competing for a World Series title. But I have them at 99 and 63. First place in the American League East. I'm sorry. First place in the National League East. And finally, and definitely not, not last but least, not last but not least, Atlanta Braves, 101 wins, 61 losses for these guys. I should put 61 there. Either way, these guys are going to eclipse 100 wins. The Braves are loaded. Acuna, Albies, Matt Olson. Austin Riley, Max Freed, Michael Harris, Marcelo Zuna. These guys can hit. Uh, yeah, you know what? They lost Dansby Swanson. Guess what? They have Grissom. They have Arcia. They have a ton of different options. And by the way, they can pitch the rock. Spencer Strider is probably going to make the all-star team this year. Max Fried's an all-star. Charlie Morton, veteran leader, all-star. Kyle Wright, yeah, he's starting the year on the aisle. Doesn't matter. He's disgusting. Mike Soroka, that guy finished second in, in, in National League Rookie of the Year a couple years ago. He's not even making the opening day roster, and he's healthy. Yeah, I know he's coming back from some pretty significant injuries. Point is, he could have made the roster, and he didn't. I got the Braves at 101-60, and 60, winning the American League East. So to recap here, Nationals in fifth, Marlins in fourth, Phillies in third, Mets in second, Braves in first. That's going to do it for the National League East as we move on here to the National League. Okay. NL Central, full predictions for 2023. In fifth place, again, probably not going to surprise a ton of people. Pittsburgh Pirates, 66 and 96. Not going to spend too much time on this team. Uh, they got some potential. They got some young prospects. They got some young talent, but they're not going to be competitive in 2023. In fourth place, Cincinnati Reds, not far in front of them at 69 and 93. Again, very similar story to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Young talent, young potential. Some guys that could potentially make a splash at some point in the year um, or at some point, you know, in all-star conversations, guys like India, guys like Hunter Green, uh, but ultimately they're not going to be competitive. So I got the Reds in fourth. In third place in the NL Central, 82 and 80. The Milwaukee Brewers, 82 and 80. The Brewers can pitch it with the best of them, uh, but what they can't do is hit. What they also can't do is seem to hold on to talented players like Josh Hader. Okay. Brewers are going to be average. They're going to come in at 82 and 80. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to pitch it like crazy. And then they're going to be worse next year because the Brewers are not going to be good. Corbin Burns is going to say adios and he's going to leave. So Brewers coming in at 82 and 80. Second place in the National League Central. Chicago Cubs, 83 and 79, one game better than the Milwaukee Brewers. They pick up Bellinger. They pick up Dansby Swanson. Uh, Bellinger's, I think he's going to have a revitalized season. Uh, they're going to be able to pitch the rock a little bit more. And I think the 
Cubs come together as a unit this year. And I just kind of have an interesting feeling about it. I don't know exactly why, uh, but 83 and 79 is still not a postseason team, right? That's just a couple games above 500. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be like battling for postseason spots. I think they're not going to really be very close to it. They'll be five, six, seven, eight, ten games out of the postseason uh, come September, but then they'll finish above 500, 83 and 79. In last place, or in last but not least, and first place in the NL Central, St. Louis Cardinals, 91 and 71. Obviously, you got Goldschmidt, you got Arenado, you got Flaherty, you got um, Tommy Edman, you got Nolan Gorman, you got uh, just Wilson Contreras. I mean, they they got a great roster. They got a great team, and um, they're going to be really good. They're going to be competitive. They're going to win the division, uh, and they're not going to have to win uh, a ton of games. To win this division so to recap the national league central pirates in fifth reds in fourth brewers in third cubs in second cardinals in first moving on and last but certainly not least the national league west the national league western division here are my full predictions in the nl in fifth place Colorado rockies 60 and 102 the rockies are going to be bad this year uh they're going to be the bottom of the barrel in this division they're never going to be competitive at any point they're going to get their butts kicked by almost everybody they play. And their owner thinks that they could be around 500. Don't get me started. Rockies in fifth at 60 and 102. In fourth place, I have the Giants, but the record is 79 83. It's four games under 500. Okay. It's not that bad. It's just I have them in fourth. Giants lose a couple guys. I think that year two years ago where they won 107 was just pure luck of the Irish. And ultimately, uh, I don't think the Giants are going to be like this horrendously bad bottom of the barrel team, but they're going to come in fourth in the National League West. Okay. In third place in the NL West, the Arizona Diamondbacks. 80 and 82. Now, this is two games under 500 also. Okay. When you look over at the D-backs roster, look at guys like Corbin Carroll. Guys like Zach Gallen. Look at guys like Otis Gurriel Jr. D-backs are a little bit sneaky. I think the D-backs a little bit sneaky. Okay? That doesn't mean they're going to get above 500. It doesn't mean they're going to get into the postseason. But it does mean they're going to get third place in, in the National League West. So I got the D-backs in third at 80 and 82. In second place in the National League West, and it kills me to say this, but I have the San Diego Padres. Okay? 96 and 66. I think that's very, very accurate as to how this team is going to be this season. 96 wins gets them into the postseason comfortably. Okay? They're going to be a great team. Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Um... Martinez, Lugo, Hater in the bullpen, Robert Suarez. 
Bogarts, Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. when he comes back. It's a lot of guys that can hit the crap out of the ball. Uh, and they're going to be good. They're at 96 and 66, and that's second place in the National League West, and that gets them into the postseason as the second wildcard team. And it's a repeat of last year, but it's a lot more wins than they got last year. 89 wins last year, 96 wins this year. Padres in second place in the NL West. Hoping that doesn't happen. Hopefully they finish first. But they're probably going to come in second. Behind the first place team in the NL West, the LA Dodgers. 99 and 63 for the Dodgers in 2023. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. A healthy rotation featuring Julio Arias, Cy Young candidate, Clayton Kershaw, Hall of Famer, Dustin May, Wiffle Balls, uh, Tony Gonsolin, All Star, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, um, Will Smith. And then, oh, by the way, the number one farm system in the sport of baseball. Number one farm system. I have the Dodgers winning the West at 99 and 63. And that will do it for the division predictions for 2023. Recapping the NL West the final time, Rockies in fifth, Giants in fourth, D-backs in third, Padres in second, Dodgers in first. Okay? So. After doing the predictions for the divisions in Major League Baseball, we know at least where I stand on the standings for each division in the American League, every division in the National League, division winners. And when you hear the division winners and you see who I think is going to be successful, you see the teams that I think are going to flourish in the 2023 season. Whether people agree with the thought process or not, it's entirely true that MVP voters and guys that have influence on who wins the Most Valuable Player Award, who wins the Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, the success of the team as a whole has a lot to do with and a big influence on who comes out with the end-of-the-season awards, especially the big ones, like MVP, like Cy Young, and especially Manager of the Year. Right? I mean, Manager of the Year means you manage the team that had a ton of success. A lot of times it's a team that wasn't expected to have a lot of success, but ended up having a really good year. And a lot of the credit goes to the manager of that team. So they end up winning an award like manager of the year. So because of all that information that I just gave you, I'm going to be giving out my picks for the award season and which player will win each award in each league. And right now we're going to give you my award predictions for the National League, who's going to win the MVP, who's going to win the Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. Okay? So, we'll start with probably what I'd say is the least, I don't know, climactic of them all. 
And we'll start with manager of the year. So my pick for manager of the year in the National League for the 2023 season is Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello. Now, this has a lot to do with the fact that I have the Diamondbacks being above 500 this year. This also has a lot to do with the fact that the Diamondbacks, I think, are going to have a lot of young talent, a lot of young, impressionable talent. And I think ultimately these guys uh, are going to play really well because they got nothing to lose. They're going to be playing with their hair on fire, and they're going to be managed by a guy like Tori Lovello, who's proven to be a really considerable leader in that he he's already managed a lot of young prospects, a lot of young guys coming up, right? Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Dalton Varshow, Gallant. Like, he, he's handled a lot of young talent and has let these guys kind of just play. And now the expectations for the Diamondbacks still are very high, but they're going to be a little bit higher, and I think Tori Lovello may end up being the perfect guy for that job. And when you have a team like the Diamondbacks who go from 15, 20 games under 500 to my prediction of two games above 500, that's a huge jump, and the manager does deserve a lot of credit for that. So my pick for manager of the year in the National League is Tori Lovello. Up next in award season in the National League, we got an award. Doesn't quite have, let's say, the prowess of most valuable player or Cy Young, right? Best player, best pitcher. But some of the game's absolute best have pulled out the Rookie of the Year award in their first full season as a player in the major leagues. Now, this award, I think, has definitely some significance to it. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all if you are a young prospect or a guy getting into the league with a ton of hype, and I don't think it's a big deal if you don't win this award because a lot of good players, a lot of guys that end up going on Hall of Fame trajectories, first-round picks, et cetera, they just come up and kind of struggle, right, a little bit. And that doesn't mean that they're just completely worthless for their entire rookie year, but some of the game's best players that have ever played haven't come out and hit the ground running in the major leagues, which is really normal. But in the case of my picks today, I think these are going to be guys that are going to come up, tear it up right away based on their surroundings, their skill sets, their projections, and everything in between. So my pick for National League Rookie of the Year is Cardinals prospect Jordan Walker okay Jordan Walker was informed in a really awesome video if you guys haven't seen it go check it out he was informed that he's going to be making the opening day roster which is kind of rare for a young guy a prospect somebody that they can kind of manipulate the service time with a little bit but in the case of Jordan Walker he's a gigantic human being he's an incredibly productive hitter showed up to spring training and the impression was basically from the team and the information that they gave him, the information that they were kind of putting out to the media, is that it's not 100% that he's just going to be on the roster opening day. But it's also not 100% that he's going to start the season in the minor leagues. So the percentage chance of him starting the year on the Cardinals roster on opening day was greater than 0%, meaning he could make the team out of camp. He just had to show up, compete, put together really quality at-bats, show that he could handle big league-type pitching in the big league spring training, in that lineup facing big league-type arms. Sure enough, he does. He shows up. He plays his tail off. And not only plays his tail off, but 
he slashes a really impressive line. And everybody can kind of see, uh, you know, the Cardinals fans that are tuning into the, the spring training games on a daily basis, the players in the Cardinals organization and in their lineup, and people around baseball in general start to see, oh, let's check out the highlights of spring training's games today, right? Oh, let's check out the Cardinals games. Oh, there's Jordan Walker smashing a home run. And by the way, oh my God, he's gigantic. And oh, wow, his numbers in spring are really good. What's his numbers in the minors? Oh, they're really good. So Jordan Walker is going to be a stud in the Cardinals lineup. You take all that stuff I just talked about and you mix it in with the fact that he's going to a team like the Cardinals. And that that doesn't just mean anything because it's just a team in the major leagues. I think him coming up to the Cardinals specifically and joining a lineup that features guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, young guys who've had a lot of success early on in their big league career, Newt Barr, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, and then middle of the pack, meaning like middle age, middle age as far as baseball career, late 20s, early 30s type guys who are also really productive. Wilson Contreras, veteran leadership, guys like Adam Wainer, like It's just the perfect recipe for Jordan Walker to go up and have immediate success. And then guess what? If he doesn't, if he doesn't show up and just tear it up right away, he'll be fine. Because of the support system, the guys in that clubhouse, the guys around him, they're going to be able to help him out, assist him, give him tips, tricks, inside scoop on guys they're facing that night. All this different stuff that a lot of other players, a lot of other rookies wouldn't have access to. So I like Jordan Walker to win the Rookie of the Year in the National League for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, moving on to the big ones. In the National League, we're starting with the Cy Young Award. Now, there are a lot of guys who could pull out this award. Hey. Now, moving on. To one of the big boys. One of the big awards. And we're doing the National League first. So we're doing the Cy Young in the National League. Now there's a lot of guys in the National League that could win this award in some capacity. Right? You have repeat offenders. Scherzer. Corbin Burns. Sandy Alcantara. You have guys jumping from the American League to the National League. Like Verlander. You have guys leaving the National League, moving to the American League, like DeGrom. You have a lot of moving parts in the list of names that you would come up with in Cy Young candidates, whether it's American League or National League. The National League features a plethora of amazing choices, amazing guys that could potentially take this award home at the end of the 2023 season. But one name for me in particular sticks out for a couple of reasons. But I'll get to those reasons in a second. And I will now reveal my pick for the National League Cy Young Award in 2023 is Corbin Burns. Okay. Corbin Burns is so filthy. He is so disgusting. Oh, but so is Verlander. So is Scherzer. So is 
Sandy Alcantara, that guy just won it. I get that all. I, I understand all those arguments. I get it. I totally, totally get it. I think Corbin Burns and those other guys go hand in hand when you talk about the top pitchers in the league. I think the difference is a guy like Corbin Burns, who has already proven that he could have tons of success, win a Cy Young, coming into a season where he dealt with crazy arbitration haggling with his team. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is a big year for Corbin Burns. And why would that be a big year, Ryan? Why would that matter? What do you mean it's a big year? Of course, every year is a big year. Of course, it's this. It's no, no, no. You don't understand. Okay. Corbin Burns deals with the haggling of the arbitration process with the Milwaukee Brewers. They can't figure out exactly what's going on with his contract. They can't figure out how much he's worth. He files at this number. The Brewers file at that number. He's coming off of, uh, you know, last season, a really good year. The year before that, a Cy Young year. This season is a contract year for Corbin Burns. He haggles with the Brewers during arbitration. Now he's coming into this season so fired up, so motivated, and so ready to go. He's going into his final season with his contract with the Brewers and is going to try to earn himself as much money as he possibly can by absolutely dominating this season. And he's going to absolutely dominate this season. I don't think the Brewers make the postseason. I don't think the Brewers have an incredible year as a team. They'd probably flirt with 500 or get around 500 at some point, but their shining star, their standout performer of the entire year is without about without a doubt going to be Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is going to put out some crazy video game numbers this year, and he's going to take on the Cy Young. So my pick for National League Cy Young Award is Brewers starter Corbin Burns. I think it's reasonable. I think it's legitimate, and I think it's very likely. And finally... Moving on to the biggest award in the National League, and that is the most valuable player. Okay? The MVP. Prestigious award. It's a big award. We're giving out our National League picks right now. And I think this might surprise a couple people, but I also think it won't surprise anybody because it's a pick at least in my opinion, that I was never going to make or never would have thought of just because of all the other big names that kind of wash out these types of names and these types of players that I'm picking. The big names, the hype, everything that's normal going into any major league season when people are talking about who's your pick for MVP and stuff like that. And you go through the National League, uh, Cunha, Soto, Machado, Arenado, Goldschmidt. These guys are all great picks, and it's pretty likely, I'm guessing at one point or another, that all those guys will be the favorites throughout the season to win the National League MVP. But for me, I think there's a guy in particular that there's a ton of value for, 
And also a guy that has been climbing the career trajectory scale for years. Okay. My pick for the National League most valuable player in 2023 is Braves first baseman Matt Olson. Oh my gosh, how could you do that? Oh my gosh, what? Matt Olson, there's like three guys on his own team that are better than him. Maybe, maybe in the past, but not this year. Okay? Let's take a look at the career statistical analysis over the past few years for a guy like Matt Olson. So he spends the better parts of six years with the Oakland A's. Small market team. They don't care. Not a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's not necessarily designed for a guy like Matt Olson to go out and tear things up. Okay? 2021 comes around his final year, what ended up being his final year in Oakland. And he goes out, plays 156, go ahead and drops uh, a cool 39 homers with a 911 OPS. That's ridiculous. Last season... And in, in the offseason between 2021 and 2022, Matt Olson gets traded to the Atlanta Braves, signs a big old juicy fat extension. He plays every single game of the entire season. He hits 240, 802 OPS, comes out and hits 34 homers, 103 RBIs on an Atlanta Braves team that was extremely productive. And again, going down that team itself, you probably think of two or three different other guys that you would list off as your pick to win MVP before you pick a guy like Matt Olson. His career trajectory has been doing this. It's been just climbing. It's been going up. And then you take a look at how locked in he was when he showed up to spring this year in 2023. How about 47 at-bats for Matt Olson? How about eight homers, 426 batting average, and a 1,500 OPS? You think he's ready to go? You think he's locked in? I wouldn't be shocked that this guy ends up starting the All-Star game at first base at all. In fact, that seems a little bit more likely if I'm picking him to win MVP. But there's no reason why this guy's so locked in that he wouldn't show up and in the month of April walk out of that month with 15 or 17 home runs. At least. This guy's locked in. So ready to go. And he's in a lineup that if he is so locked in and he's putting up video game numbers, he's going to get protection on both sides. Because Olsen's usually going to find himself, I think, two, three, four hole, right? Somewhere in that lineup. And any position you put him in, in that batting order, he's going to be protected by Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, Marcelo Zuna. Any of those guys around him in that order are going to protect him, and they're not going to be able to just pitch around him if he's absolutely on fire. Because the Braves lineup is deep. It's stacked. It's talented. And a guy like Matt Olson is just going to slot in, as he did last year, locked in from spring training, and he's going to put up video game numbers, and he's going to win the MVP in 2023. So my pick from MVP in the National League is Matt Olson. So... As we cover the American League, we move on to the National League. I'm sorry, that was the National League. In the American League, the same thing goes. 
for all the things that I mentioned before about the awards. Okay. We're going to be doing manager of the year, rookie of the year, Cy Young MVP in that order. We'll start with manager of the year in the American League. Okay. I think this is a pick that is right on a tee for this guy to take. It's a pick and an award at manager of the year that for one guy in particular is just sitting there waiting for him to go out and take it. My pick for American League manager of the year, Baltimore Orioles manager Brandon Hyde. This guy's coming into the season with just such a stacked roster, such a stacked team. This guy's got two of the guys that were one, number one prospects at one point, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. He's got a really good pitching staff. And he's got the opportunity to go out and shock the world, shock some people. In fact, last year, he kind of already did that. This year, he finds himself competing, doesn't even have to get in, competing for a playoff spot in 2023, and he will easily and comfortably take home this award of Manager of the Year. My pick for Manager of the Year in the American League, Brandon Hyde. I think it's reasonable, I think it's legitimate, and I think it's going to happen. Okay? Moving on to my predictions for the American League Rookie of the Year. There's a lot of names to choose from. There's a lot of guys, a lot of prospects, a lot of young, impressionable talent, guys that were top prospects in their teams' respective farm systems, young guys, crazy uh, skill level, crazy tools, crazy projectability. And unfortunately for all those young guys that were top prospects, that were projectable, that do have crazy tools, that are going to be rookies and eligible to win this award in 2023, they're all going to get washed out of the water because my pick for American League Rookie of the Year is the Red Sox outfielder they signed from Japan, Masataka Yoshida. Now, it's a bit of a cop-out. It's a bit of a cheapie because Yoshida is not a rookie when it comes to playing professional baseball or high-level professional baseball. He's coming over from Japan. But we saw this guy in the World Baseball Classic facing big league caliber pitching, and it, like, was not a problem for him. He just, like, showed up and hit the ball around, took some walks, didn't look uncomfortable, because a lot of times when guys come over from those professional baseball leagues in Asia, the first thing people argue against this guy having success or those guys having success is, oh, well, it's just different in the big leagues. They're going to have to come over. There's an adjustment period. Didn't look like there's going to be any sort of adjustment period for Masataki Yoshida and in the Red Sox. The Red Sox aren't going to be very good this year, uh, but I don't think that's going to matter because Masataki is probably going to put up a, a 25 to 30 homer campaign. Uh, 278, 840, 870 OPS. Something that's like, whoa, this guy's no way this guy's a rookie. And you're, we, you would be right by saying that, but ultimately he is a rookie in the major leagues. So therefore, I'm picking Masataki Yoshida to win rookie of the year. In the American League. And finally, the two big boys. American League Cy Young and American League MVP. 
couple of interesting picks here. A couple of guys that I don't think a lot of people would be having at the top of these lists. But I think ultimately I'm very confident in both of these picks. Okay. Cy Young in the American League. Shohei Otani. Jacob DeGrom. Garrett Cole. No, no, and no. My pick for Cy Young in the American League. Christian Javier of the Houston Astros. This guy is so effective with all his pitches. His spin rates are crazy. His spin efficiencies are crazy. His Ks per nine, walks per nine, ERA plus, hard contact, everything indicates this guy's going to have a long, illustrious career in the major leagues. You throw on top of it, the Houston Astros lose a guy like Justin Verlander. You're going to have other guys in the rotation step up for them. But the hole that needs to be filled for the Astros, and that's going to be filled by a high-level guy and the opportunity for somebody in that rotation to step up, take that rotation by the reins, and be that guy. No better opportunity for anybody in the league than for Christian Javier. He's going to step into that role. He's going to end up becoming the ace of that staff. And he's going to find himself at the end of the season taking home the hardware and winning the Cy Young in the American League, representing the Houston Astros, because it may end up being a close race. There may end up being a couple of guys that are putting up really good years. Jacob DeGrom, like I mentioned. Garrett Cole, like I mentioned. When you're on a team like the Astros, who you know are going to win probably 100 games, that just launches you even further into the national spotlight because, oh, look, the Astros won the, the American League again, or Astros had the best record in the American League again. Who was their ace? Oh, that's right, Christian Javier. Nasty. That's right, that guy had a 2.6 ERA, and you know he went 19-6. and six. Wow. Wow, that guy should probably win the Cy Young, and that's exactly how it's going to go. So I have Christian Javier winning the Cy Young in American. And finally, American League MVP. The big award, really big award. There's some guys I think theoretically should just walk away with this award pretty easily. Rotani, Trout, Judge, all the usual suspects. All the guys where you go, you know, who's your pick for MVP? Uh, probably just Otani, right? Uh, probably Trout, Judge. All really good picks. All reasonable picks. All guys that very easily could win the award. Probably the best, safest picks to win the award in the American League. But I don't take any of those guys. And I take a guy who I'm super high on. A guy that I think is going to be a superstar for years to come in the American League. And my pick for American League MVP is Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. We saw this guy play last year. We saw this guy's tools. We saw this guy's ability to be a high-leverage, high-impact guy 
on a team, by the way, that is extremely entertaining, exciting, and going to find themselves in the national spotlight. When you have a guy like Julio, who's going to be leading off for a team like the Mariners, he completely exemplifies what that Mariners team is as a whole. Young, talented, exciting, tools, charismatic. I think all of that stuff plays into who ends up winning the MVP. He's got 40 home run potential. He's got 50 stolen bag potential. He's got a great arm. He's got gold glove potential in the outfield in a premier position of center field. Not to mention he does all of it hitting leadoff. He's incredibly talented. And when push comes to shove, and those other guys maybe regress a little bit, and people hold a little bit more weight to that, and Judge doesn't hit 60 homers, and he hits 40, 42, 45. Otani hits 30 homers, has a 3-7, 3 ERA, all very good and respectable. And then you look over in the West Coast, up in the Pacific Northwest, and you find a guy like Julio Rodriguez. What were his stats in 2023? Oh, whoa. He hit 37 homers. And he had a 975 OPS, and he stole 42 bases. Oh, and he was the best defensive center fielder in the American League? Whoa. Where, I mean, he must have been the only guy they got in that lineup hitting in the middle of the order. No, he was hitting leadoff. No, he was hitting leadoff. I guess I just, I didn't realize it because the Mariners team had so many different guys that were really charismatic and, and productive. And, oh, wait, the, the Mariners made the playoffs again. And this guy was hitting leadoff for them? Best offensive player? Yeah, you know what? This guy's my MVP. This guy's my MVP. I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's exactly how it unfolds. I got Julio Rodriguez, one of the MVP in the American League. I love Julio. I love his career. Uh, his whole pers personality, his whole deal that he's got going for him not to mention the momentum that's going to be behind him this year because the all-star game festivities are in seattle julio is going to start the all-star game and he's going to be in the home run derby and he's going to win the home run derby all-star game starter home run derby champion leadoff hitting center fielder for a team that makes the postseason and MVP. That's going to be Julio Rodriguez in 2023. So, my picks to recap in the American League for the awards, Brandon Hyde, Orioles manager for manager of the year, Masataka Yoshida from the Red Sox to win rookie of the year, Christian Javier to win Cy Young, and Julio Rodriguez to win MVP. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this full episode of Between the Stitches, a baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. We had a good one. We covered it all. It was a little bit more extensive. It was a little bit longer. So hopefully you guys stuck around at the end. If you did, I greatly appreciate it because we love and we love the support. We love listeners. We love anybody who's interested in the content that we're putting on on a consistent basis because we love to do it ourselves. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the full 2023 season award show spectacular. And otherwise, we will catch you guys on the next episode of Between the
Stitches. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.